I shall have finished eating. Oh, God, I can't believe you just swallowed into the mic. Mm. No, you know I hate it. On. Hi, Zan. Hi, Miffy. How are you? I'm really good. Happy that there's another royal in the house? I'm I know s- you love the royals. I, I do love the royals. I'm just not really into the monarchy as a setup, as a construct. Oh, so you actually like the I family. love the royals. I'm fascinated by the royals. You love I'm, the Windsors. I'm obsessed. I'm absolutely obsessed. I can't get enough. Are you the kind of person that includes the spoons or collects the spoons and the plates and stuff like that? No, no, but I just quietly go around buying trash mags whenever they're in them and (laughs) follow their... Follow their trials and tribulations. You must um, be very excited about the royal wedding then. <laughs> I am actually because you know I love a wedding. You know, but you know that and no love, cameras love, are left inside. No cameras are allowed inside. That's right. But pomp and ceremony that will go on outside will be enough for me. Like horses with those little tar- tufts on their heads, you know, the little dongles. Loads <laughs> of those. There'll be carriages, gold, uh, gold-plated carriages. I love frankincense all that stuff. and myrrh as well. Exactly. Oh no, that's a different. That's Dif- a different, different sort of deity. Wow. Well, they're all made up, and I'm just thinking though, without the cameras, without the cameras left inside, there's going to be so much padding because everyone's going no. over all the commercial networks, ABC TV. It's just going to be so much shit talking while stuff goes on inside. You know who's going to be outside? Angela Bishop. No, Fergie will be outside because she hasn't got an invite, <laughs> pretty much. And really? I think, um, I think uh, is Fergie still in the bad books? I'm pretty sure she's never got out of the bad books. She's out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Fergie will be outside. So there's a bit of colour and movement there. Welcome Um, to Bang On, the royal podcast you've been looking for. Yeah, and and Meghan Markle's sister, who wasn't actually invited, but who is, in fact, going along courtesy of a television network. How messed up is that? Gross. How messed up. It's big time for the Windsors and indeed for that family because the biggest news that we've had this week is that <laughs> a woman gave birth, Miff. A woman gave birth. It's astounding. It's magical. <laughs> and there is a new little unnamed prince running Trevor. around. Trevor. <laughs> We're calling him Trevor from here. It will forever be Trev. Prince Trev. Prince Trev. <laughs> I like it. Or Brian. Now, this was a huge story and I tell you what, I kind of just stayed offline the whole day that this was going on because there was just so much coverage of mm. a child being born uh, that's not Jesus and the images of Kate Middleton, sorry, Catherine, coming out. Oh, is that um, what we call her now, Catherine? Yeah, she's, she's Princess Catherine. Oh, okay. Um, with Better a C. remember that. It's confusing because it was Kate with a K, okay. but then it's Catherine with a C. Did you think she didn't want to be tied up with the Kardashians? Is that the, <laughs> Was that the change? Definitely would have something that yeah. would have been at the front of mind. Yeah, totally. She's walked out within hours of giving birth and looking radiant. Mm-hmm. And it's just full on, like literally was it eight hours after she gave birth to her son. She's out in full hair and makeup, tottering on heels to present the royal child. This was freaking crazy. It is. It's kind of nuts, isn't it? I think... I know that they do get pushed out of hospital on the day. It's quite normal practice in some places that if you're well enough, you leave at the end of the day. If you I think they also would have, wouldn't, wouldn't have wanted to draw attention and cause, you know, there would have been so much security and so much media. Yeah. They would have just thought, okay, people who actually are trying to visit family and friends in the hospital are getting really but, pissed off at us by now. But yeah, but really, I mean, she must have a magic vagina <laughs> to be able to come out and just be 
have it together. Like, like I'm not just talking about having it together in your mind, but like in your body. Like, I, how do you walk after pushing out a watermelon? How do you do that? I don't know. I've not done it myself, but quite frankly, it's. I can't imagine it's fun or painless. We are both barren women. By choice, oh, yes, yes, Baron. <laughs> so we can't comment. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a royal title as well, Baron. I think I feel like we could have <laughs> Baron ba- Baron von Mifanwi. It's bang on with your Baron bishes, <laughs> Zan and Mif. But so I feel like we can't necessarily comment on what it feels like. Oh, I can you don't need imagine. it. Just ask all your friends who's had a, who've had a baby, and they'll tell you it is inexplicable pain. And if you've been stitched up, it's even worse. And it's not. It's not something you walk out of looking fabulous like you've just stepped out of a salon. And every woman who's had a baby was commenting. You saw Michelle Laurie doing mm. it on the project. You saw different people uh, popping up online and just talking about how ridiculous it was. I don't know if you saw this myth, but there was a great post that a friend of mine shared via a Facebook page called Just The Tip. I won't read it all <laughs> to you, but it's bloody amazing and I will put it in the show notes. Uh, this is just a little highlight from the post on Just the Tip. It was posted with the beautiful photo of Catherine and Wills and their unnamed prince, Prince Trevor, we'll call him. Trevor, Trevor. Just the Tip says, once Just- again, I am in awe of her composure because after my third vaginal crotchet job, I could do little more than waddle to the shitter and occasionally spritz the injured area with a numbing solution amid hisses and gasps of pain. I certainly did not drag my fat ass to a stairwell in shoddy mesh panties to present my vagina trophy for the world to ogle, nor did I grin charmingly for an army of cameras. Just the tip then ends, congratulations to the royal couple on their new beautiful crotch fruit. All hail the prince... His mother's impressive army of beatificators and the elephant tranquilizer that allowed her to paste a smile on her face and relegate herself to the casual dissection of passers-by. And that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about presenting and basically being owned by the public. She has to do this. She's public property. It's so intense. There's a really interesting article online if you get a chance to read it. It's a very long read, so I'm not saying you have to go there. But Hilary Mantel has written a, a beautiful piece on... Our royal bodies are to be looked at. That is their existence, to be looked at. And they have no choice. Like their entire existence is to be looked and to be stared at. She goes into a lot more detail about, you know, the processes and how, you know, how awful it must actually be. But, um, yeah. Because she wrote all the Wolf Hole novels, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's really interesting that, Kate is doing this given, you know, the, 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 the monarchy is trying to update and yet here they are still obeying those old rules or even not even pushing back. But then she maybe it's just go, going, oh, look, I can't be bothered with not presenting myself. If I do it now, I don't have to do it later. But her role is as a baby maker. Let's make no qualms. Mm. She does a lot of charity work. I know that the royals are trying to modernise, but basically your role as the spouse and particularly the female spouse of a prince is to literally create more heirs. That's yeah, that's your job. Um, I thought that as well. I was just thinking about you know you talking about when because uh, we, we are a royal podcast and we did talk about when <laughs> Meghan Markle and Harry got engaged and you basically you know whether or not the Windsors were woke. Um, you can listen back on a previous episode of Bang On to that conversation. House of Woke Windsor. House of Woke Windsor. But you were talking about like, you know, that this was, you were a bit cynical about it. So they're trying to maintain relevance in this post-colonial world. And I thought that her wearing, again, the wardrobe choice, and a lot of people picked it out of her wearing the red dress with the white collar, which very Mm. much echoed 
exactly what Princess Diana wore when she came out with her second prince, her second son, Harry, in the um, hours or day after he was born. Mm. It kind of just, it's, it's, you know, a very subtle sort of remember the good times, remember why you love us so much, you know, nudge, nudge, we're still good for you. You know, let's keep this, keep the Commonwealth alive. Do you reckon, keep the good do you reckon feelings. she was, she was, I mean, it did, it did seem like a rather odd coincidence that that dress was so similar. Oh, it's so similar. I literally really... red with a white collar. It just it, they've got to think about this. It's going to be one of the most photographed days yeah, of good point. the week, if not what year. What if she They're just got stitched up stuff. by a stylist, though? What if she actually <laughs> just got stitched up? Someone went, here we go. <laughs> Terribly tragic news, Miff, this week yeah. uh, that the Swedish DJ known as Avicii, Tim Bergling, has died at the age of 28. This was shocking when I saw it come through. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest DJs in Superstar the world. Superstar DJ. Like stadium DJ yeah. and really rose at that time when EDM, electronic dance music, was coming up and, you know, being able to be the thing that filled stadiums as opposed to more traditional rock bands and, mm. and stuff like that. And he, God, he worked hard. I mean, the stories around his, not just his work ethic, but I guess what he was expected to do over the years that he was at the heights of his fame are pretty wild. He pretty much was not only playing these massive venues, but so many gigs every year. I think in 2013, he played almost 320 shows. And the reports around his health as well uh, had already come through. We knew that he was retiring from performing at the end of 2016 basically because of health reasons. He had pancreatitis due to heavy drinking, which is something associated, I guess, with, you know, just basically being on the road the yeah. whole time. And also and he had that. severe anxiety too, and I think that led to the drinking, which then leads to all sorts of other things. Um, yeah, it just it was a horrible situation. And he, he needed help, desperately needed help, and he took a break I think he retired, I guess, from the music scene because of those health issues and mental health issues. But, it, you know, and we don't know what happened, but I don't think it turned out all that well for the poor fella. There was an interesting article in Junkie this week as well, written pretty much about how the way that he was managed and the way that the, I wouldn't say the music industry chewed him up, but those around him kind of chewed him up and spat him out, mm. really contributed to his ill health. And I'm not saying they're responsible for his death and this article isn't either, but it definitely paints a picture of a situation where it feels like he seemed to have been set up in other people's eyes anywhere, or at least told that he was an industry that other people relied on, that if he needed to take a break, and there was many times where he was saying, look, I need to just stop. I need to cancel mm. these shows. And they would cancel two of the shows, but not all of them. And they'd basically, he would, they, he would keep saying no, and they weren't hearing him. They yeah. weren't listening to what he was saying and basically coming back at certain times and, you know, saying, look, there's many other people whose jobs rely on you. So it's kind of like the, all these other people that are orbiting you, their their living their livelihoods are at stake if you say no and i mean what incredible pressure to put on anyone much less someone who's probably completely disconnected from reality has become famous when they're a teenager has grown yeah. up and just worked their ass off and he's living in this strange dj world and then you say no you can't stop because you stopping djing means that six other people don't get a, a, a living wage it's so full on yeah and it's awful there was a film a documentary and i haven't seen it i have to say that charted this time, particularly in Australia, when he was here, and he was he had another 
acute attack and needed to get his gallbladder out, but then they just pushed him back on the road in order to gave him enough drugs in order to get through. And the guy, the poor guy's on the nod practically yeah. and still the manager's pushing him to do more and more interviews and he says yes to one and then all of a sudden oh, to half an hour and then it blows out to two hours because, you know, once they get a taste, it's like, oh, he can do this, so let's just do more. And I think it really highlights with all musicians and the people around them that duty of care that is needs to be – there needs to be a duty of care for artists like this in that kind of Because they're not traditional structures either, exactly. No, and just, there's no know, structures set up to look after this. Yeah. And I if think you've never it's... done it before, you don't know what's right or wrong or how to say yes or no. Totally. And you don't have, I mean, this is something that's discussed often when musicians get sick, like physically sick about how it's not like a normal job where you've got sick leave and mm. you've got healthcare and all that kind of stuff. It's a really different world. And I know that a couple of people have been a little bit cynical about, you know, the pressures that were placed on him, but they still exist, you know. I, I think that the the idea of the image of someone who's a superstar DJ who's making all this money and performing all over the world as all, you know, roses, I think is mm. a flawed one. And you can still suffer in that world. It actually reminded me a lot of the brilliant documentary Amy oh, on Amy Winehouse. God. And that was, again, someone who died at the age of 28, had a lot of issues with really heavy drinking, was constantly saying no. And it was particularly a case of not only people who she worked for and worked with, including her father, but also people she was desperately seeking approval from, Mm. her father and, and her husband, Blake. But there's one particular scene towards the end where she's trying to take time out and she's on St. Lucia on this island and Mitch, her dad, just turns up with a film crew. Yeah. And she's just like, what, you know, what the hell? But she can't get angry at him because she just desperately wants to please him. And I was like, you just see that and so many other things in that where you just think, you're a vulture. Just stop. Just stop. It's your daughter. People around them are quite often the problem in these sort of situations, I think, because, yeah, they're expected to pay all the wages and that would put a huge amount of pressure on any artist. Just that, simple as that. But when you tie in familial bonds and all the issues that were probably there as well. There's no way she was going to stop. And she, you know, and it killed her. Awful. Yeah, music life, not necessarily what it's cracked up to be. Need to have some people around you to trust. Yeah. That don't impress me much. So you got the Shania, what have Just you gone? Shania. What have you gone? To, what have you gone and done, Shania? There was a beautiful feature article on Shania Twain in the Guardian. I don't know if you've had a chance to read the whole thing, Zan. Not yet. I've only seen the backlash to a couple of sentences from yeah, it. I haven't yeah. read the feature. Some sentences at the end, but the the feature is a really interesting portrayal of a woman at this point in her career. The the awful stuff she's been through as a as a kid, like beyond awful. Um, you know that the, her marriage breakdown and the stories behind that, and her her approach to to where she's at now, it's really interesting. And then at the end, she kind of put her foot in the mouth by saying, in a way, that she was a Trump supporter. Well, she said she appreciated his honesty. Mm. She said, "These are her words." She said, "I would have voted for him because even though he was offensive, he seemed honest." Do you want straight or polite? 
Not that you shouldn't be able to have both. If I were voting, I just don't want bullshit. I would have voted for a feeling that that it was transparent. And politics has a reputation for not being that right. So that was what she said. And she's Canadian, which is like, you know, she can't vote no, in the US can't. election, which is why it's not like she didn't vote because she chose not to vote. Yeah. And then yeah. it all blew up. <laughs> all blew up. Shania's gone off the list. And it's, yeah. She backpedaled quickly too. Like she basically said on Twitter across like four or five tweets that she wishes she'd given more context to the comment, but people really stacked on, didn't they? And I mean, with anything that's around Trump, it's a very hostile issue. He's a hostile leader um, in terms of people, you know, a divisive leader, whether you love him or hate him. Um, And people really just piled on and got really upset at her with this response, which kind of made me think about, I guess, the way that people just... React and I mean we talked about it before. React and damn people mm. online and just it, it it sort of drives you into a a fear of saying anything, doesn't well, it? Though, I think it, look, Shania, she probably you know I, I know she probably deeply regrets it. I, I'm not entirely sure what she was thinking when she said it, but she did say, "I'd like to apologise to anyone I've offended." The question caught me off guard. As a Canadian, I regret answering this unexpected question without giving my response more context. And I'm not sure what this says about how we move forward at this point. From a professional standpoint, what this means is you can't afford to say anything wrong or anything that's a little bit stupid or anything that's a little bit precarious in terms of people's values or ideas of how, how what you should think and believe. And it's going to make people in the future terrified to actually do interviews and have any kind of discussions about anything outside of what they do, which is music. And we all know that people don't make music in a bubble and they do have outside influences. So we want to know more about that part of them. I think that The Guardian didn't pull out this quote in their piece as a headline. And this is often what happens with these long interviews that basically you find a little juicy nugget and you use it as clickbait. They didn't do that. It was other publications that pulled it out and made a big deal of it. But yes, I think that in the increasing monetization of journalism, when you know that the only reason that people are going to visit that story and indeed pay the bills because Mm. there's an ad on that page, as opposed to the six other stories that are in their feed, is with a catchy headline. And so you really exploit the things that and take them out of context. And I think that makes... You know, interviewees really nervous about that. On the flip side of this is the fellow who is uh, live tweeting his book of philosophy, Kanye West, who we touched on last week, and he's been tweeting up a storm once again, talking about making music, which is fantastic, uh, with a bunch of other artists, including himself. But he also tweeted about his love of Trump. And of course, remember, he met with Trump in 2016, hung out with him um, and, and, you know, seems to have a lot of time for him. He said, you don't have to agree with Trump, but the mob can't make me not love him. We are both dragon energy. He is my brother. I love everyone. I don't agree with everything anyone does. That's what makes us individuals. And we have the right to independent thought. So maybe Yeezy is once again dropping truth bombs. Maybe. You can, you can like what Trump <laughs> is doing. You don't. I don't know. There's so much going on. It's that's so what we are dragon, dragon energy. What is dra- as in dragon, like the fire breathing dragon? Dragon or Ball just Z, dragon, the game. Or just, yeah. <laughs> Just dragging yourself. Can you imagine just Yeezy and Trump sitting on the couch, getting takeaway and just playing some video games? I could see that happening. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons.
Oh, I think Kanye would be very good at Dungeons and Dragons, he wouldn't he? So he would. D and D. They are both on Jun- Dungeons and Dragons chat rooms right now. That's why they like each other. They've just got. That's, we are both dragon energy. He's giving us a clue here. <sighs> Why are we playing Swan Lake? Because I like Tenuous Links and it's by a Russian composer. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> are you banging on about Russia? Yes. No more Boney M this week. I'm actually banging on about <laughs> no more rah-rah Rasputin. <laughs> it's every week the links get more and more tenuous. Um, but I am banging on about a, a film, a Russian film, set in Moscow that has just come out this week and it is bloody incredible. It's called Loveless. It's about a couple at the end of their relationship. I think that it might have played at the Sydney and or Melbourne Film Festivals last year. Definitely got a big rap at Cannes um, in the last year and now it's finally opened all over Australia this week. And basically this couple, are um, at the end of their relationship, they're about to get a divorce. They're both having extramarital affairs and they're trying to sell the apartment that they own together. That's the setup. And they've got a 12-year-old son whom neither of them seem to care a lot about in the mix of that. Um, They're very distracted. They're kind of on their phones a lot, distracted by their jobs, obviously distracted by their affairs, thinking about the future and what their lives hold. And this little kid's kind of in the middle. And it's a really different Russia than we're used to seeing. I mean, I think that, you know, for me anyway, it's it's always a bleak sort of place. It's always a bit grey and cold and snowy or rainy. But it's, you know, also a place that looks very poor. But this is a rich Russia. This is not a place of communism but about a whole bunch of kind of aspiring capitalists, you know. They live in amazing fancy apartments and they're all on their smartphones and they're kind of wanting to acquire material things and taking lots of selfies and it you know yeah. it looks like us you it know is, it is and i think for a long time we've been shown a very mediated vision of what russia is and you go there and go oh, hang on a minute it's pretty normal yeah this is russia today but the thing is that through this film um there's kind of this nice subtlety along with the key story of this relationship in disintegration and the two people being distracted at the you know, peril of their son is that everyone's kind of distracted. Everyone's on their phones and it tells this larger story of this increasing disconnect we have from the people that are supposed to matter the the most to us. And even when you're with the people that you love the most, even when you're with your lover who you're supposed to be, you know, running off with and excited about, even then you're on your phone and just flicking aimlessly Mm. through. But that's not even the biggest part of this story. And I don't want to tell you what happens because I just really don't want to spoil what is an incredible film, one of the best films I've seen in ages. Do you remember, this is the same director who did a great film called Levithian, which came out a couple of years ago. Some people might remember that. Anyway, it's just phenomenally shot, um, holds the tension so beautifully throughout the whole film. Like I was sitting there with my, you know, hands on my face just going, (gasps) you know, and you know that that's affecting you when you're in a packed out cinema and it's just affecting you that way. And the scripting... And the acting is just first class. So I just, I love this. I love seeing a Russia that you don't often see. And it is one of the films of the year. Definitely go and see Loveless. That's my big bang on for this week. I'm super excited for that. I think you'll really like it. Yeah. And see it in the cinema where you can just feel, you know, again, just turn off your phone and just feel, you know how I feel about cinemas. I like being taken over by films. Mm. That's just me. What are you banging on about? I like being taken over by rivers. (laughs) 
<laughs> what have you been doing? I saw your Instagram. What were you doing last weekend? You cheeky I, little river river brat. Well, I am a river, river rat. I, I am say. a river mole. I prefer to be called a river mole, please. Um, I grew up on the Murray, which is in yeah. Victoria. For bang on is both in us all over Australia and and globally. We've got about three listeners globally. Well, hello to you. Um, <laughs> we got more than three. Probably not, but hello. Um, and I miss it and I miss it so terribly and I think quite often our, our vision of what makes you feel good is to go to the beach, a big wide open beach where you get the waves and, and all of that but you forget how replenishing and gorgeous rivers can be and can I top the top it off? Paddle steamers. Oh, my God. Ancient seafaring, well, river-faring vessels <laughs> with flat bottoms. Are they still going? They still, still have paddle going. steamers on the Murray? They're still going. And in the Chuka, where I went, it's like paddle steamer heaven. If you like old gear, if you're into – see, I'm into things like old rail and old trains and trams and, you know, old aeroplanes. I love all that stuff. Paddle steamers come from essentially the turn of the century. If you've ever seen all the rivers run, you'll, that's all you need. Um and they are just gorgeous crafts made of wood could burn down in seconds. Most of them do. One of them I found out burnt down because someone had a fight and someone lit it alight on purpose. Oh, my God. Because there was a roaring trade on rivers back in the day when there was no inland travel. So it was actually really fascinating. Yeah, of course. And I just loved it. I, I, I grew up with it, but I really hadn't paid adult attention to it. And it was so relaxing. I was just sitting, sure, I was surrounded by people, but... And the paddle steamer, the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh of the paddle steamer. I could have been, you know, in the in all the rivers run. I could have been at the turn of the century. My mind just went away, and I had had the most fabulous time. Just was look- your paddle steamer called a funny name, like Polly Pet- the paddle steamer, or something adorable? Oh, no, I think it was the Canberra. <laughs> HM, HM Canberra. HMS Canberra. Canberra, or it could have been the Pevensey or something like that. But um, it was, yeah, it was it was a gorgeous day. Go to a river sometime. Go to a river and feel good and be replenished and get on a paddle steamer because they are amazing crafts and I can't believe I just banged on about that, but I did. You never cease to amaze me. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Um, getting ready for Eurovision. I've got stuff to do. Nails to get done, hairstyles and outfits and things that take extraordinary amount of time to pack a bag for seventy four outfits. Are so, you in? A, are there any paddle steamers in Portugal? Oh, you know what there are in Portugal though. Port, shitloads of trams. Oh, You're going to be in heaven. heaven. <laughs> I love timber work. That's my biggest thing. I'm not really. I'm not really into so much the mechanism of the pumps, but even though that is fascinating, but the timber work of these beautiful old structures just gets me razzed. You are so on local radio right now. I love it. The timberwork just gets me razzed. Oh, come on. I'm not alone. Hashtag timberwork gets me razzed. Bang. 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 Bang on. I love watching you think. <laughs> Creep. Double J.